This is the Oklahoma Talking Company. to the Oklahoma Sports Show. This is episode 15. Uh, can you believe we're already 15 weeks into this show's life and we've now survived an entire college football season? Bedlam week is done and we have a Bedlam and Big 12 winner. Oklahoma beating Oklahoma State 38-20 to in a game that was tied 17-17 at halftime before OU really just took control in the second half down in Norman. But uh, we'll get to that in a moment. We've got a guest who we're going to bring on. I, I, I keep saying we, but I, I have to admit it's just me today. As, as mentioned last week's show, Jared is currently on a boat somewhere in international waters. Uh, he, he's going on a cruise with his family and, and some friends. And so you are stuck with me this week, but uh, we'll see if we can muddle through. Yes, as I mentioned, college football is over, except for the Bulls in the playoff, and uh, we've, we, we'll have about a month before all that really gets kicking, so we'll have plenty to talk about, but we've also got high school sports, we've got Thunder basketball, and uh, college basketball is well underway, but I guess we should probably start right at the top talking about Bedlam. We devoted a whole show to it last week, and uh, it was a game that, that did not disappoint on many levels. It was it was a, played at a very high level at times. It was played very messy at times, which the weather uh, probably helped with that, but OU did come away 38-20 to uh, victors. Mayfield had another great game. The, the OU running game uh, came alive in the second half, and then Dede Westbrook, who unfortunately went out in the first half uh, showed why he's a Blitnikoff finalist while he was playing. And so uh, it was a game we had a little bit of everything, but uh, I've got my takes on it. But we want to hear some takes of a friend of ours, Jake Weaver, and uh, uh, see what he thought about the game. So we're going to get Jake on the line and let's see uh, what's going on. Hey, Jake, how's it going? You're going good, man. How are you? Oh, I'm doing okay, flying solo on the show, so that always kind of scares me. But, uh, Jake, <laughs> another edition of Bedlam is in the books, uh, 38-20 victory for OU over Oklahoma State. Just uh, to kind of get things going right off the bat, what what was just your feeling overall about how this game went? Uh, you know, I was I was really pleased with the game. Obviously, OU fan, uh, pulling off the win was was uh, satisfying, but I was very pleased with just you know, the game was extremely physical, and uh, that I, that's just that's that old school football that I think all of us love is just you know guys lining up and you know it's just kind of a smash mouth game you know OSU ran the ball extremely well in the first half and then OU came back in the, in the second half and then ran the ball extremely well so I just feel like. Everybody, you know, likes that type of physical, keep it on the ground. You know, it's cold. It's kind of misting outside. I, I just, I just like the overall feel of the game. It just felt, it felt like bedlam to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And, and I mean, I think I could definitely agree even from the Oklahoma State side. It, it did have that feeling of, you know, these are two teams who are lined up, uh, just ready to compete for sure. Um, yeah. You know, Ed, well, let's just let's just start with this. You know, why was OU able to find success? Uh, it was it was tied seventeen seventeen at half, and then OU really just had their way in the second half. In in your opinion, what was it that allowed OU to have uh, success throughout the day? Well, you know, you know uh, that first uh, first half, their two first o, OU that is their first two offensive series. I think they threw up a stat there at two series, two yards total. 
Yeah. And uh, they had they had seven runs in the in, in those in those drives. You know, they could not run the ball anywhere. I'm sitting there thinking, okay, you know, Carson and Hill for OSU, that, those are good backs, and they're going to be there for a while. Obviously, they're both really really talented. Um, but it's like I'm looking at Joe Mixon and Samaj P. Ryan, and I was looking at them to be the superior duo. So I'm sitting there in the first half, like I don't know what we're going to do here. We're not being able to run the ball. It's cold. It's rainy. I don't know how effective you know uh, Baker's going to be. I don't know how well the receivers' hands are going to be with it being cold and rainy and whatnot. Um, but I think it was a pivotal uh, a part of the game where they come out in the second half, and Bob Stoops basically said that the offensive line coach had made some changes and. Maybe that was it. Maybe guys just started playing harder. Maybe OSU, you know, did something more up front where they they weren't being as, success, as successful as they were in the first half. But something changed because holes were just everywhere in that second half. I mean, everywhere. Um, and, you know, OSU confused me. Um, the first half, I thought the play calling offensively was outstanding for OSU. They were extremely successful in the run. So he, what, what does yours just do? He just keeps pounding the ball, and we, and we couldn't stop it. I mean, Carson Hill was carving us up. Um, but we come out in the second half, and it was like rolls reversed. OU was running the ball everywhere. I think they ran for, what, 250, 260 in the second half alone. Uh, and then OSU can't get much done at all. Um, but the play calling uh, for Oklahoma State, and I know I, know, I, you know, I got a lot of you know, Oklahoma State fans you know, they're not always pleased with the play calling. I don't think anybody ever, any fan base is happy with the play calling. They can always, you know, be picky about it. But I didn't really understand the second half, uh, you know, game plan. You know, there was third and nines, third and tens, third and eights. And there were, you know, then the stupid wire shooter screens that like, OU does them a lot too. But like in clear cut cases where I expect Washington to run a skinny post or a quick slant, like they just couldn't get him the ball. Um, they couldn't get Seals the ball. Where was Lacey? I don't – so, as I know you're saying, I'm sitting here going, okay, I'm glad we won. We looked good. Baker looked good. We ran the ball if we wanted to. The defense played well as far as, you know, points total. But I'm also thankful because I really think OSU could have carved us up. I just – I don't know if the game plan was all the way there. I just – I don't see how you don't get Lacey the ball more. I don't see how you don't get Washington the ball. Force it to them. You know, those are your yeah. best players, you know. And I know Rudolph missed some missed some passes. He did. He was he threw he threw the ball high several times. Uh, and every time we got him rushed out of the pocket, it seemed like the play was breaking down. And you know, Baker, when the play breaks down, it's better for us because wide receivers drag out. He finds them, hits them. Rudolph, I don't think he's as good. At, he's he's much better from the pocket. But I was just really confused by the second half play call and and it. Three points in the second half row issue. I think that was the big, the big deal right there. Yeah, obviously that's going to be the backbreaker for for Oklahoma State. And uh, let's just get this out in the open. I, I think there's a heavy, heavy contingent of Oklahoma State fans, and and I've I've said this for years. I know Jared said it for years uh, that that they just believe that Gundy and Co get completely conservative especially when they play OU, but really when they play like super big games. I mean, it happened last year against Ole Miss. Uh, you know, it was the OU game, really every Bedlam game that Gundy's been here, except for uh, probably 2011 and 2012. And you know who the OC was then? It was Todd Munkin, who didn't really care what anyone thought. Um, and right. and I just, I think Gundy, I think he gets caught up in mind games. I know I've said this before. I think he just tries to play this game of cat and mouse to the point that at some point uh, the cat just quits playing and they pounce on you and he's still trying to 
trying to run around and tickle the cat's toes or something. And and right. really, I feel like that's what happened uh, in this game. I, I feel like all, all I needed to know as an OSU fan, I queued up my, my tweet and saved it for the end of the game. All I needed to know as an OSU fan is when Gundy took that timeout, uh, kept that timeout in his pocket with 18 seconds left at the 50-yard line in the first half, uh, I think any any legitimate Oklahoma State fan who's watched OSU – uh, they knew this game was over at halftime. And I know that sounds defeatist. It was 17-17. OSU had shown the ability to have success They and all that kind of stuff. But I promise you this, Jake. Going into half, the Stoops brothers and Lincoln Riley knew they had this game, and the Oklahoma State coaches staff were worried about losing it. And in, in my mind, that's that's where everything shifted. And 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 yeah, Rudolph played terrible. He he it was it was what OSU fans have come to call road Rudolph. He he was not uh, sharp. He he the, he was having trouble with his grip because uh, maybe the wet the wet you know, scenery, maybe it's because his hands are too small, whatever it is. Uh, Rudolph wasn't sharp, but having said that, I felt like uh, Yersich and Gundy got scared about him not being sharp. And so then they wouldn't let him try to win the game. I felt like that's why those third and eight, third and tens, you saw the draws and you saw wide receiver screens. And um, I mean, OSU was what, two for two or three for three on deep balls, passes over 20 yards. Right, and, right, and, right. And you, Jake, I mean, you've watched OU all, all year. You know, if you're going to beat this OU secondary, you're going to beat them over the top. And I know, yep, every time. I, I know the weather played a factor, but that sure didn't stop OU from trying to go deep. And, and it mm-hmm. proved successful, especially when they had Westbrook. But but here's – I want to get your thought on this too because, you know, you said what did the coaches do. I, I think it was it was evident that OU's coaches on both sides of the ball made made great adjustments at halftime. And and mm-hmm. really, I didn't feel like OSU made many. And and because it, this is what, what kind of got me is once, once Westbrook was out – and I know as a – you know, if you're on the Oklahoma State sideline, you're, you're, you may not have heard the reporter on the news say, well, Westbrook will be out for the rest of this game. But but you know OU's game plan is going to change. Well, OSU's defensive game plan didn't change at all. They were still playing cover two, cover three, running that, you know, three uh, three three down three linemen down front, trying to put just pressure with their three linemen. And and right. and once once OSU refused to make those changes, I mean, why why wouldn't OU just run the ball up the middle every every play? You know, and you right. just I almost I almost think Lincoln Riley was surprised himself. Yeah. Like he starts he starts to play calling and open up the second half and he goes, Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute here. We didn't have an inch in the first half. We didn't have an inch of room in the first half, and now we've got all this room. And you're exactly right. You hit it on the head. The the changes coaching wise, it appeared that there there was none made by Oklahoma State. You know, Oklahoma State was the better team in the first half. They had some they had some good moments and I just but there were still changes that they can make, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or at least at least understand what changes OU might make on the other side of the ball and adjust accordingly. And there just wasn't much. I, you hit it on the head. I, I think you're exactly right. At halftime, it was all about the X's and O's. They got in the locker room. They changed this. They changed that. And they came back out, and it was a completely different game. I mean, it was from from the third to the fourth quarter. It was just it was it was almost awkward 
how three how 180 it was you know what i mean yeah it, it really i mean i i felt that way too it was like the first half it just seemed like okay these are two competitive teams or they're filling each other out almost like a heavyweight fight you know they're just yeah. taking jabs at each other but then in the second half that it was not a fight it was it was a right. uh, it was a sparring match and and someone forgot to tell the sooners that they're not supposed to go so hard um yeah, yeah. Oh, and i've seen another i've seen another step Oklahoma State, and here's another thing with the play calling. Oklahoma State, you're looking at a team that had 25-plus plays of 40 yards or longer in the first, what was it, 11 games of the year. Yeah. 25-plus plays of 40 yards or longer. So everybody's talking about the OU offense, which we know it's high-powered, but Oklahoma State is high-powered as well. You know, they, they have 10, 10 plays a game, it seemed like, the last you know, 10, 11 games, where they're going to Seals in Washington, 35 down the, you know, the fly routes and whatnot. I didn't see any of that yesterday. You had Washington yeah. down the right sideline there for that one big play, and that's about it. Yeah. You know, I was like, they can consist. And I know um, uh, number seven for OU, I just went blank, Jordan. Uh, uh, Parker? Anyways. Yeah. Or yeah. Thomas. He, was he's. Yeah, Jordan Thomas. Yeah, Jordan Thomas. One of the best corners in the league. But Joe had him. Or not Joe, but Washington had him. You know what I mean? I mean, Washington is superior talent, and they could have burned him all day, but they chose not to. Yeah. And I don't I don't know. You think Rudolph's got some big hands, okay? I mean, he's a big guy. I, he should be able to grip that ball. I mean, I, I think that's just one of those, well, he couldn't grip the ball. He can grip the ball. Well, I'll tell you this much. If he can grip the ball, he's got sweaty hands. Like, Or if his hands are big enough, they're sweaty. Because that's, you know, he, he's good for one of those fumbles every game. Not the one under center, but the where he's just holding the ball, about to yeah, throw, and right. it just slips out of his hands. And, you know, you can't discount the weather. And, you know, it's easy to say, well, oh, you didn't have any problem with the weather. Well, you mentioned Mayfield's ability to create is almost – it's almost better when he's out of the pocket. And that puts yeah. a lot of pressure on defensive backs. I think um, – Oh, you did a good job of moving him around. There were a couple times in the third quarter, especially where where they would they would move the whole pocket to the right, yeah. and you know, mm-hmm. and Mayfield would just roll out. And I mean, they did a good job, and that's where Lincoln Riley, I think, really excels is creating those plays. I know they're in the playbook, but they he he'll throw them in kind of on the fly, uh, depending on yeah. the situation, and that's that's yeah. what makes him a good a good coordinator. Um, yeah, and, I don't know. I don't know if there's a better quarterback. You know, definitely in the Big Twelve. But I don't know if there's a better quarterback in the country that is better at backyard football. Yeah. Snap the ball. Let's run around. Let's almost get sacked. Let's run around some more, and then let me point to you, tell you where to go, and let me throw it to you down the field. Like he he does it every game, and it's scary every time. But I mean, it's fun to watch. It's Johnny Manziel style football, and it's fun. Yeah, I I agree, and you know I I know in the reports after the game he mentioned that he's he plans to come back to have a three peat uh, Big Twelve title, and 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 speaking of Big Twelve titles, Jake, obviously OU they they did uh, secure the, the the championship. It is their tenth under Coach Stoops um, in the the twenty one season history of the Big Twelve. I mean, as an OU fan, um, what does that mean to have ten Big Twelve titles? Uh, they showed up. They, they they flashed up a stat last night, and they said, that, you know, he's got his ten Big Twelve titles, which he's only got nine home losses yeah. uh, in his career at OU. That is absolutely phenomenal. That's crazy to think the guy's got more conference championships than he does home losses. Um, but you know, Bob Stoops. You know, we talked about at the beginning of the year how many people were calling for his head. Yeah, uh, you know what I mean. Brian we Bosworth. can we can talk about. <laughs> yeah, you know, half the it seemed like half the Nation was like, get him out of there. You know. 
And, you know, I think I came on after that Houston game, Ohio State game, and I said, you know, calm down. You know, this is – I don't think this is a Stoopson issue. You know, it was just a player's issue. But Bob Stoops, Mike Stoops, O-line coach, you know, Lincoln Riley, they had a lot to fix at the beginning of the year, a lot to, to fix uh, schematically. And I think we can look back now, you know, Big 12 champions, 10-2. and two, They finished in the, in the polls at six, I think, six or seven. Um, what a phenomenal job they did uh, fixing everything. Because, I, you know, I don't know about you, but you put this OU squad at the beginning of the season and let them play like that, I, I know we beat Houston, and I know we beat them. Yeah. Uh, Ohio State, the Ohio State game become, becomes more competitive, especially with the swagger. You know, that's the thing, too. The swagger that the team has right now with Baker. You know, Baker's always going to have a certain amount of swagger, but he's – him and Didi, with with Didi being hurt with that hamstring at the beginning of the season, you know, I just – I wish for a, for a healthy Didi back then, but, you know, it's over with. But just the coaching job that those guys did, Bob Stoops really rallied the troops. You know, I'm sure the coach's office was not the, the most comfortable place to be after the first couple of games of the season, but – he did a great job rallying the troops and, you know, to get that 10th big 12 championship. I mean, it's, it's big. I think it carries on the tradition that they've got there. Um, you know, I don't want him going anywhere, you know, anytime soon, but, uh, you know, I thought maybe they were prepping Lincoln Riley, maybe for that head coach job after, you know, his boys get out of high school, which I think they're sophomores. Um, but, uh, I've heard reports of, you know, uh, Lincoln Riley possibly going to Oregon. So, who knows what's going to happen? But uh, as far as Bob Stoops, that's that's outstanding, um, outstanding. I, I, it, it couldn't be cooler to uh, finish the season the way we did with the nine straight wins. Yeah, I know that. It, I agree. It was a tremendous coaching job. Um, you know, I, I caught Doug Gottlieb say something on Twitter about it, uh, just about keeping that ship. And and honestly, I, I responded to, to Gottlieb on Twitter. I mean, I felt like that the job they did this year was probably one of their better coaching jobs uh, in, in Stoops' career uh, to, to recover that uh, from, you know, because they lost to two big time programs. And yeah, at this time in the season, it might be totally different uh, ball games. But uh, to, to go undefeated in your conference, I think uh this is only the second time a power five team has gone undefeated in conference uh you know in yeah. since like 2009 or something like that and that's a cool stat yeah and so you know it's just pretty pretty uh amazing when you think about it and uh it it's just something that i think ou fans have to look forward to uh going into their new year six matchup in the sugar bowl with auburn and uh i know it's early jake and we'll bring you back on before uh, this game actually happens, but just pre- preliminary thoughts. Are you, are you excited? Do you think it's a good matchup for OU or, or what are you thinking? I am excited for the game. I'll tell you the only reason that I'm excited for the game. I'm excited that it's an SEC team that they have the opportunity to absolutely torch. Okay. Um, I get sick and tired of the, well, the Big 12 doesn't have any defense. That's why there's all offense. The SEC is where it's at, you know, but SEC has taken the blueprint of the Big 12 offensively. I mean, and that's just how it is. Everybody's got the spread, the uh, spread now. Mm-hmm. You don't, even Alabama, an Alabama team who not even two, three years ago was running in the eye still. How many times do they line up in the eye now? It's it's a lot of spread offense coming from them now. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I would I would have liked to play uh, maybe a team that was left out like Michigan or, you know, that that's, that's a fun game to watch possibly or maybe even a Penn State or Wisconsin. But, um, Auburn, I think they're ranked, what, 17. Um, it, it should be, it, it'll be all right. It, um, 
like I said, I just I, I'm hoping that we just absolutely torch him offensively, so people can go. Oh, I, maybe a Big Twelve offenses are legit. It takes me back uh, to when Oklahoma State was going to play for the title against Alabama. They yeah. lose to Iowa State, obviously after the tragedy and everything. I think that Oklahoma State team would have actually, I mean, absolutely torched Alabama that year. That's how prolific they were. And it's sad they didn't get the opportunity to. But we, you know, we don't get a lot of opportunities to to torch the SEC. You know, yeah. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to it. You know, I'm looking for especially since you know last time I played uh, an SEC team, it was a uh, you know at Tennessee. But even before that, Manziel's Texas A&M torched us. So it'll be a, it'll be a fun little contest to watch. But I'm hoping that we put it on, on an uh, offensive clinic. So. Well, I think the opportunity will be there. You know, you mentioned about the SEC going to that spread, um, kind of conference wide. I think Auburn, you know, with Malzahn was probably one of the first to to really move that way. Uh, you know, because when Urban Meyer was down in Florida, he he did it, uh, but the the rest of the conference wasn't quite catching up. I think when Malzahn uh, put Auburn in the title game in 2013, that that served notice to the SEC that they better start moving along. Yeah, I think I think yeah, I think Nick Saban said, okay, we gotta we gotta we and that's why he's good. He's able to, you know, to adjust and and uh, you know, evolution with that, with with everybody else. So, well, uh, you know, like I said, we'll we'll bring you back on and we'll talk about this. But you know, the top four: Alabama playing Washington, and then Clemson, Ohio State. Uh, is this this is just flat out Alabama's title to lose, right? It it, it is. It, if if it's not, I think it's gonna. They're only gonna fill competition from Ohio State. And I think that's a lot because of just the overall talent Ohio State has on the field. A lot of freshmen, a lot of fresh talent out there. But with Alabama, I mean, they're just, they're just so well darn coached. I just don't see anybody. I mean, last night they, they play in a SEC conference game against Florida, and I look at the score and it was they were like 45 to 14, and there were like five minutes left in the fourth quarter, you know, in a conference championship, just waxing them. So. I don't I, like you said. I, this is Alabama's championship to uh, to lose, and I think this would be would this be Nick Saban's sixth? Uh, I, I believe uh, I so. That, I need to go back and count. Uh, he won I one think at this LSU. Would be his, yeah, I think this would be his sixth. Or I know he's chasing Bear Bryant at yeah. Alabama, so history wise. So yeah, Nick Saban. It's it best coaches you know in, in college football. There's pretty much Nick Saban, and then just everybody else kind of jumbled up underneath him. So and Urban Meyer's great too. Bob Stoops is great too. You know Jim Harbaugh's great too. But Nick Saban just puts himself on a different ladder. So yeah. he's he's good. But that, that's, I think the Washington Alabama matchup that could be interesting if you know if Saban's tied. You know not exactly on the ball. Uh, you know Washington they've got offense and they've got a good quarterback. So things can happen there. That Clemson. Ohio State game. I'm. I would venture to say that Ohio State wins by fourteen to twenty-one. I just don't think Clemson is very good. I just. I don't think Clemson is that talented. I mean, uh, Deshaun Watson. They're putting him up for the Heisman. He's throwing a lot of interceptions this year. Yeah. A lot of interceptions. Yeah. The, so, this Clemson team. I know. I know. There's been a lot of comparison made already. There. You know, a lot of people are talking about them being 2014 Florida State, the year after they won the title. They just kept kind of finding ways to win because they are good, but they they may not be. Uh, quite as good as they were last year. I think Clemson falls in that category, um, and to, it's the point where they're just going to have to prove it if they're going to be able to do it. You know. Yeah, for sure. 
Well, cool, Jake. Uh, we better cut you loose. I know you're uh, down at the firehouse, and so thanks so much for for being on the show and uh, you know watching a, a OU victory. And they'll they'll get to play Auburn in the Sugar Bowl, and so uh, we'll we'll have you back on before that time gum, comes. But uh, uh, any last words? What a great year for football! What a great year for football! And you know we got a good season ahead of us for the NBA with the Thunder, so it's gonna be fun to watch. We still got we still got our sports teams to watch. So, but it was a great year in college football. Yeah, it it was. It was a fun year and and uh we'll we'll get some thunder talk out of you here in the future as well. So thanks again, Jake. Thanks. Thank you, man. We'll see you later. All right, see you, bud. Well, that was Jake Weaver uh joining us. Thanks again, Jake, for for being part of the Oklahoma Sports Show. And uh so we mentioned OU will be battling Auburn in the Sugar Bowl. Oklahoma State finishing the regular season nine and three, uh, which I I believe that's what I predicted in the, the preseason playoff. I don't wanna uh get too braggadocious or anything, but uh, you know, nine and three. Uh, that's where the Cowboys finish, and they will f- battle old Big Eight, Big Twelve foe Colorado in the Alamo Bowl down in San Antonio. That's, uh, I mean, it's obviously not a New Year's Six Bowl. It's not the playoff, but you know, the Alamo Bowl is a fun bowl uh, to go to, and so Oklahoma State fans should enjoy going to that game. And when you look at a team like Colorado, they they're they're three losses. They're ten and three. They played for the Pac-12 championship and uh, just got torched by Washington, forty-one to ten. Um, but their three losses on the season are to this Washington team that's in the playoff. They lost in week three to Michigan, uh, who you know, was left out just outside of the playoff. And then uh, they lost to USC, who's playing in the Rose Bowl and who you know a lot of teams apparently are scared to play right now uh, because of the way they they finished this season off. And so uh, Colorado, although they, their biggest wins of the season were probably against Washington State and uh, Utah, and, and that's not to discredit any of their wins. Those are probably their two biggest wins. Uh, and then the three best teams they've played, they, they lost to. And uh, so a lot of similarities with Oklahoma State, and we'll, we'll talk about this game uh, leading up to it. It's uh, there at the end of December. And uh, December 29th, I believe, is when the game is. And so I uh, will have plenty of time to talk about it. But, you know, it's for Oklahoma State, it's a disappointing way to lose your conference title opportunity uh, to your rival 38 to 20. And uh, especially when you know the game could have been a lot worse. But uh, this should be a fun matchup. Uh, in in the Alamo Bowl against the old uh, Big 12, Big 8 rival in Colorado. And so, uh, you know, it, it should just be a great opportunity to try to finish on a winning note and get that official 10th win, not a fake Gundy 10th win, um, but the official 10th win. And so we'll talk more about that as uh, the future unfolds and we have opportunity. But uh, I want to go ahead and switch gears and I want to talk about some college basketball, and uh, it's it is upon us, everybody. College basketball is here, and and so when you look at our, our four state Division one schools, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Tulsa, and Oral Roberts, uh, they've they've all kind of shot out of the gate to some varying degrees of success. ORU is the team that's had the most trouble, uh, probably starting out as they're they're sitting at one and seven. They've lost six in a row, including uh, the Mayor's Cup uh, to the University of Tulsa. A couple 
couple games ago, but just uh, this past Saturday, they played in East Lansing at Michigan State and lost. They were in that game the entire way. They ended up losing by four points, 80 to 76. Um, and so you you hope that maybe that that can be a turnaround game for ORU as they, they finish up their non-conference slate and uh, then go into uh, Summit League conference play. And uh, for for Scott Sutton, you know he's he's never been afraid to play those big time opponents, and uh, you just you you kind of see when they're playing a Michigan State team, you would think they'd be completely overmatched, um, but but they actually stayed in that game uh, the entire way, and so hopefully that's something that they can build off of, and uh, if if they're going to be successful, they have to find ways to get more points. Right now they're only averaging sixty seven points a game, and uh, that's that's really just probably not going to cut it if they're if they're going to be truly successful once conference play uh hits and um that's something that they're really going to need to work on is is you know, getting more points. And, and one of the ways they can do that is through getting more field goal attempts. Uh, they're, they're shooting 40% from the field right now, but the averaging 61 attempts per game, um, if there's a way they could get about eight or nine more, more shot opportunities, uh, then, then maybe they'll, they'll be able to, to turn it around, get some more points and, uh, and, and really become successful. And so uh, once conference play hits, you you really hope ORU is able to take advantage of some of these learning experiences. Uh, you know, they lost to Mississippi to start the season out. They lost to Loyola out of Chicago um, and Montana. And, uh, you know, it's just been, it's just been a rough go. And then of course, losing to Tulsa 79, 65 in the mayor's cup is never, never a fun place to be, but we'll see where they can, where they can pick it up, uh, in, in the future as they move forward from here. And speaking of Tulsa, Tulsa sitting at three and three, um, overall they're, they're, uh, they're they're starting to come around. They they actually host Oklahoma State at the end of this next week, and so that'll be a, a an interesting challenge. Not only because it's Oklahoma State Tulsa, and they've always had a fun uh, little little basketball rivalry that that especially goes back to the uh, Tubby Smith days. Um, but but it'll be a good kind of litmus test to see where they're at. Um, the the biggest uh, team they've played so far, as far as notoriety, was uh, Wichita State. They were at Wichita State. They lost eighty to fifty three. But but since since that time, they've won three out of their last four. Uh, they ran off three straight wins against New Orleans, Oregon State, which is a good Power Five win. And then, then they beat ORU, and then uh, they they just lost here this past Saturday to Arkansas Little Rock by ten, um, and that was on the road. And so uh, they're they're sitting at three and three. They've they've won most of the games that they should, and uh, not the, the Jacksonville State game uh, there at the beginning of the season was probably. Uh, a little bit of a letdown, but um, as they go into American Athletic Conference play, they're they're going to need uh, to continue their winning way. And kind of like ORU, they're having trouble scoring points. Uh, they they are averaging 69 points, but but in their losses, they had 73, 53, and then 62 points. Uh, in their three losses so far this season. And so when they've played a little bit of stiffer competition, they have had trouble uh, uh, getting getting points. And um, that's going to be a challenge as they move forward in the American Athletic Conference and and, uh, some of the teams that they're going to play. Uh, It'll be interesting to see where they will find 
their points. Um, you know, some of the, the players that are stepping up, uh, ja, uh, Jalil Wheeler is averaging 15 points a game and uh, Junior Etow is pl- averaging 12 points a game. But then uh, Pat Burt, who who they expected to really be a leader, he's done a good job. He's averaging 9.8 a game. And then Corey Henderson is coming in averaging 8.8 points per game. And, um, you know, he's that's good for Henderson. He started two out of their six games, but he's, he's uh, averaging 25 minutes a game and so for for them to be able to get that production from him whether it's coming off the bench or in the starting lineup uh, that's been good to see but um, we'll just kind of see how Tulsa unfolds. I, like I mentioned, them them playing Oklahoma State will be a good test and and a fun little rivalry. But but Oklahoma State, one of the reasons it might be good is because they so far under in the Brad Underwood era, um, they're six and two overall. Their two losses were to number three North Carolina, and uh, then this past Saturday at Maryland in a game that really. When you watch the game, it looked like they were probably the better team. Uh, they they got in significant foul trouble, and um, that that definitely hurt them. And you know there was a lot of uh, uh, ideas that maybe there were some homer calls that that hurt them. But they ended up losing by one. And uh, J- uh, J- Jawan Evans got a, a shot off right after the buzzer that, that went in, but it did not count. So, but Oklahoma State coming in, even after that game, is averaging 95 points per game. And uh, they do that by having disruptive defense. They, they, they've been trying to turn the ball over, get a lot of steals, uh, which lead to more shots. They've, they've kind of become this volume shooting team. And uh, so far, it's really been effective for them. You know, they picked up two big wins out in Maui against UConn and Georgetown, and they really just kind of overwhelmed those teams defensively. Now, North Carolina, that's a totally another beast altogether. But um, this is a different team than than a Travis Ford coach team. And because, let, let's just face it, a Travis Ford coach team, if they were going to win, it would be winning ugly. It would be winning 62-58 to 58 or 68-65 to 65 or something like that. But before... Or, uh, Underwood, excuse me, has has shown that he just wants to get up and down the floor, and he wants to put up a lot of shots. And so far, uh, for this team that that I would say still has limited offensive talent, yeah, you've got Jawan Evans, who's a, who is a uh, potential All American candidate uh, at at running the point guard, and yeah, you've got uh, Forte and Jeffrey Carroll has really played well. Um, but they're not overall a good shooting team, and they're not overall this offensive juggernaut. So I've got to admit, seeing them average 95 points uh, against bad competition, moderate competition, and then great competition, uh, it's it's been impressive to watch. And so they're sitting at 6-2, and two, uh, and they've got that game coming up with Tulsa at the end of this week as well. And uh, so then let's let's fly over to OU. OU coming in at 5-2. and two. Uh, They had a, had a letdown and an overtime loss to Northern Iowa uh, in a, a holiday tournament in Orlando, but overall coming in at five and two, their two losses are to Northern Iowa, and then uh, they they lost this last weekend to Wisconsin at Wisconsin, ninety to seventy, and that was a game that they really uh, they came out on fire in the first half, and then in the second half just absolutely uh, wore down, and and Wisconsin just really just took took control of that game. But uh, Lon Kruger, I think he's still trying to figure out how this team is going to play, you know, losing Buddy Heald, 
uh, it, you know, play, a national player of the year. You can't replace that overnight, and you're not going to replace it most likely with one person. And so they're still trying to figure out who's going to who's going to play the parts, who's going to pick up the slack. And so uh, I, I have to say, though, I have all faith in Lon Kruger to be able to to get that team to uh, figure that out. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see how OU uh, continues to put things together as the non-conference slate. Uh, uh, just winds down, um, but you know some of these some of these young guys. Uh, I think it's it's interesting to see how they're going to be able to to uh, to to advance. Like Christian Doolittle, Cameron Mcgusty, uh, Kruger needs them to to play. Mcgusty had 11 points in that that Wisconsin game, and so that's uh, he did that in only 12 minutes. Um, but then on the flip side, Doolittle only had four points in 15 minutes, and so they really uh, some of these freshmen. You go through the learning the learning stages and uh, this is where Kruger will need them to start kind of developing a little bit more as you you wind down non-conference and and you begin conference play but you know Christian James played uh, excellent uh, finishing with 11 points on five of eight shooting and then Rashad Odoms uh, finished with 17 points and so that was great. He he was seven to ten from the field, and so that's definitely uh, a good sign uh, for for OU fans. But uh, still not getting a lot of production from the front court, and so that'll be something to to look for as they move forward. But all in all, you know it's hard to tell this early in the season what what's going to happen in college hoops. But um, uh, it's it's been encouraging, I think, especially for OU and OSU. Tulsa, uh, it remains to be seen if they can figure it out. And if you're ORU, I think you just need to try to get into conference play with a little bit of confidence and a little bit of momentum. And because, uh, you know, that conference, once you get into conference play, all bets are off. Uh, it just takes a team getting hot and, and figuring out how to play. And so uh, that'll, that'll definitely be something to look forward to as the season continues. And uh, we'll keep an eye on it. And, and really, now the football's winding down. We're, we'll, we'll spend a majority of our time talking about basketball. Continuing talking about basketball, let's switch gears and talk about the Oklahoma City Thunder. As of this recording, they're sitting at 13-8. and eight. They've won five in a row, picked up a big win against the New Orleans Pelicans, where Russ got his fifth consecutive triple-double and just played a heck of a game. And uh, To take a look at the Thunder, we wanted to bring in a special guest, and his name is Coop, and uh, Coop is our resident Thunder fan, and uh, we wanted to get his thoughts. So, Coop, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm doing good, man. Not uh, glad to be on the show. Well, we are glad to have you. This is your first uh, appearance. We've been talking about getting you on here for a while. It just hadn't happened, but um, I, w- I wanted to pick your brain about the Thunder a little bit. Uh, they're they're sitting at thirteen and eight currently. They they picked up a win against the Pelicans on Sunday night, and uh, what do you think? We're about a quarter of the way through the season, believe it or not. Uh, what are your thoughts so far about Oklahoma City, what they've done, and, and what Coach Donovan has been able to do uh, minus Kevin Durant this year? Well, I think they exceeded the expectations so far as everything that people thought they were going to be. I mean, I mean, Old Depot stepped up. Um, Robertson, surprising on his offense, has come up lately. And uh, it's just starting to click. I know they're starting to finally uh, play the team. Well, that's it's interesting you say that uh, 
I was talking to someone, uh, I guess around Thanksgiving, uh, we were were talking about how it seems as though maybe the Thunder are going to take a full-on San Antonio Spurs approach in that, you know, they have a maybe one superstar in, in Westbrook and then they just try to surround him with players who can, who can complement and fill roles. Um, in your opinion, is that, is that what is happening or is it, is it something different? Oh, kind of reminds me of San Antonio. Kind of. And then, uh, then uh, kind of like Seattle back in the 90s. The, the, relying on the point guard and, uh, your, uh, little pick and roll there with Westbrook and Adams. Yeah. With, uh, Kent and Peyton. Yeah, I, I can definitely see those similarities, and they, they have that pick-and-roll going. Um, is there anyone else on the team so far that's kind of been a pleasant surprise for you? Uh, Joffrey Laverne, surprisingly. He's been – he's he stepped in there, and he's made the team, and uh, he's, like, he's, uh, he's filled his role, and he knows what he needs to do. And then uh, the Bahamas, I mean – He's a rookie and he's starting to come into form, but under the two probably, and then other people are scoring for a but you know. Yeah, and you know I agree with L- Lovren. I mean, he's averaging f- uh, five points off the bench. Uh, f- four rebounds and it seems like here in the last couple of weeks really he's he's picked it up um you know but having said that I in my opinion I think you still go with Sabonis in a in the starting role I like I like Lovern and I like Cantor still coming off the bench um you know and Cantor's coming in averaging 13 which that's not a surprise I mean that's what you wanted uh from him uh do you think Oladipo he's averaging 17 points right now in that off guard spot is that something he'll be able to sustain uh throughout the season you think uh, I hope he does but I mean uh if you look at his career at his career I mean if you look at the stats I mean that's about his average so hopefully he's sustained it yeah, and I mean, with with Russ running the point, I mean, hopefully Oladipo is going to have plenty of opportunities to score. Uh, you know, as teams really try to key in on Russ. But but let's talk about Westbrook uh, for a minute. I mean, everyone's talking about it. This is not news, but he's he's as of recording this, he's had five straight triple doubles. Uh, joined some some hallowed ground with Robertson, Wilt, uh, Wilt Chamberlain, and Michael Jordan, and uh, he's currently averaging a triple double, thirty one points. 10 boards, 11 assists. Uh, I mean, what what can you say right now about Westbrook that hasn't been said already? Yeah. Well, I mean, he's had five triple doubles in a row, and that's five wins for the team. And, uh, um, he's up, like you said, he's up there with Jordan and Robertson. That's high. That's about as high as you can go. And, uh, I don't know what to say about it. I mean, that's, Pretty much everything's been said about it. He's putting up just ridiculous numbers that hasn't been seen since then. Yeah, and I saw where Jason Kidd said he he legitimately thinks that that Westbrook could average a triple double um, for for the entire season. Do you think that that's a realistic possibility playing out in the West? Well, they kind of hard to bear, but I, you never know. <laughs> yeah, the last person did that was Oscar Robinson. 
So that was a long time ago. Well, it was. It was a different game. It was fewer games, um, you know. But I guess if anyone can do it, it's probably going to be Russ. If, if for no other reason, then he's going to have to be the one that really carries the load uh, for the Thunder. Um, but so, so looking at the big picture, Coop, what, where do you see the Thunder going? You said they've they've maybe exceeded expectations uh, coming in so far, first quarter of the season. And it's a long season, but let's say everyone stays healthy. And and things continue the way they are. I mean, what's what's a realistic finish for this team, in your opinion? I can see the fifth start, five or six. I mean, looking at the division, and none of the teams are playing that well. Portland's got problems on defense. Uh, Minnesota's lacking it, uh, expectations like normal, and then Denver's not very good, and then. Utah played all right, but they're they're not playing up to expectations either. So I can see the Panthers victory. Well, I I think that's that's a realistic chance. I, in my opinion, they will have to overachieve just a little bit more. Uh, to see that happen. But yeah, you look at that division, you know, Utah has been a pleasant surprise at 12 and nine. Um, you know, Portland has struggled, uh, but I think they, they have opportunity to pick it back up. But, um, you know, it was interesting. I think for me going into this season, I didn't even think they had a shot at really winning the Northwest division. But now uh, if, if people stay healthy, I, in my opinion, it, it is still the Thunders division to lose even post Durant. And so that will be, uh, something to watch. Of course, we've got a long way to go uh, before before we get to any of that. I mean, the Thunder have had an opportunity to pick up some wins against some teams that, that don't have great records. Uh, as you look look ahead at the Thunder schedule, Coop, they, they've got the Hawks. They're actually playing tonight as of this recording. And then they host the Rockets, uh, host Boston, and then they're at Portland and then at Utah here kind of in the next week, week and a half. I mean, uh, this is a pretty big stretch for them. Is Are they going to be able to keep their winning ways? I mean, I think uh, Boston will be a tough game to look at. And, and they are, they're struggling right now, but they do got Millsap and Howard. They got some weak inside, but we'll see. Hopefully they can keep them in there. I mean, they, uh, they bounce back from that tough stretch they had yeah, and it's 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 been a fun streak. They've picked up some good wins, and they've they've played well doing it. And so, uh, Coop, I appreciate you coming on and being part of the Oklahoma Sports Show. We'll we'll have to get you on here again, okay, buddy? Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. All right, no problem. Well, that was Coop. We want to thank him again for joining us, and uh, we we really have been trying to get him on the show a lot lately and uh, finally happened. So uh, thanks, Coop. We appreciate it. And we'll get you back on here uh, in no time. But before we go, just wanted to wrap up a couple things. We've been talking about high school football playoffs. Well, we do have a few state champions and uh, just want to read through those. We do still have a couple uh, classes that are still going on, but in class C, Tipton pulled off the 28-26 victory over Pond Creek Hunter. In Class B, the championship will be this weekend on December 9th. Uh, there at Northwestern Oklahoma State University, Shattuck will be taking on Laverne. Jared picked Laverne to take Class B. I picked Davenport. Well, Laverne took care of Davenport 20-14 to 14 in the semis. Uh, over in Class A, Hominy is holding strong. They beat Afton 43-15. to 15. 
and they will battle Winniewood for the state title at Choctaw High School on Friday night at 7 p.m. So Coach Green, uh, he was one of my coaches up at Pawnee, so go get him, Coach, and uh, bring home another gold ball for the Hominy Bucks. In Class 2A, Victory Christian will battle Millwood. Victory Christian pulls off the 21-6 victory over Chisholm, and uh, Millwood beats Adair 38-14, and so that game will be played at Stillwater High School on Friday night. Victory Christian battling Millwood for the Class 2A title. In Class 3A, Plainview defeated Cushing 7-6 in a game that uh, really just, it could have gone either way, and uh, Plainview ended up winning 7-6. Both teams had their opportunities to score, and uh, Plainview just held on, and they will battle Jones, the team that has been undefeated and has just rolled through the season. They beat John Marshall in, in, in a quite a good game, 36-29, and they will play each other on Friday at Moore High School for the 3A title, Plainview versus Jones. And then in 4A, we have a three-peat Wagner Bulldogs take care of Ulagov 28-13 to to take care of that gold ball and to keep on with their winning ways. And so congratulations to the Bulldogs. Now looking at 5A, the Carl Albert Titans pull off the 34 to 29 victory over Bishop McGinnis. Carl Albert uh, just took care in the semifinals, took care of Lawton Mack 39-36, and they were able to become victorious. 34-29 to 29 in the 5A state title. In the 6A1 title, Bixby did it yet again, just like uh, Jared and I predicted, 39-31 to 31 over Lawton. And uh, so the, the Bixby Spartans have now won their third consecutive state title. And in 6A1, Union pulls off the 57-43 to 43 victory over Norman North. Norman North did a good job in the second half of putting points on the board to, to try to come back, but Union just proved too much. And so the East continues their reign in the 6A1 status. Union Redskins take care of Norman North 57-43. to Well, I think that'll about do it for the Oklahoma Sports Show. Uh, if you guys have stuck with it this far, thank you so much for, for not leaving me. Uh, Jared will be back next week, and I am so so grateful but uh, in the meantime check us out on Twitter at OK Sports Show you can follow us on Facebook and uh, also go to medium.com slash Oklahoma Sports Show and you can find articles and posts and past blog, uh, podcasts and you can also go to OklahomaTalking.co and find all that information and uh, we, we really appreciate Oklahoma Talking Co uh, taking part in, in hosting this podcast and helping us get it out to the world so you can check out some of their other shows go to oklahomatalking.co and you can see everything that they've got going on it's all about oklahoma and it's all about podcasts so check them out well that'll about do it i am jason evans jared kennedy will be here next week and i can't wait to have him back but you guys take care watch your high school sports uh uh, go cheer on your teams in the state finals and uh, we'll see you next week